Hi, this is Jessalyn Etchell, and you're listening to my podcast, Wildish Wise Women, Conversations with Everyday Goddesses. In this series, I interview my favorite women on their topics of passion in an effort to connect us so that we remember that women supporting women is our greatest strength. I want to live in a world where women build each other up instead of tear each other down. And this podcast, in addition to the in-person women's circles I lead, are my offering towards this vision. Thanks so much for listening. I'm so excited today to be talking to Suzanne Sterling. Suzanne is a dedicated musician, yogi, activist, and social innovator who's been performing and teaching transformational workshops for over 20 years. She's founder of Voice of Change, a co-founder of Off the Mat Into the World, and director of the Global Seva Challenge. An award-winning musician, she has released five solo albums and numerous DVD soundtracks. Her life work is dedicated to inspiring others to find their unique voice and to use self-expression as a tool for community building and conscious evolution. Today, Suzanne's going to talk to us about becoming a voice of change, how to find your voice, speak your truth, and how truth-telling, self-expression, and ritual are evolutionary and necessary for our times. Welcome, Suzanne. Thank you. It's good to be here. (laughs) So let's get started by just connecting a bit, you and I, and then everyone else that's listening with a couple deeper breaths. I'll take an inhale through the nose. And the exhale out the mouth. (sighs) Nice. Just a couple more like that. Nice big inhale and release. (sighs) Once more. (sighs) And may each woman who needs the wisdom of this call find her way here. May we speak from the heart and create a wave of peace that radiates out on a global level. May each woman remember her sacred nature and feel the value of her presence in this world. Suzanne, what's your favorite thing about being a woman? (laughs) Wow, that's quite a question. My favorite thing about being a woman is that there is a sense of embodiment and interdependence with the whole world. And that includes for me personally, um, the ancestors that came before us. So I was raised in a matriarchy, a progressive matriarchy. Yay for me. Very cool. (laughs) With own inherent challenges, obviously, but, um, uh, feeling that line, that ancestral line that goes back, uh, I I believe that women, particularly today, have a tremendous amount of untapped powers that are just now going to start to rise to the surface. And um, what excites me about that is that I believe that there have been times and cultures in the past where women held uh, positions of spiritual authority, and I'm ready for that to come back. And I believe that Um, Many women are feeling that potentiality in themselves and in others, and it's part of my life commitment to help empower people 
um, to step into those untapped powers and to disrupt some of the systems of the patriarchal um, oppression, colonialist structures that we live under and to disrupt those and to make some different changes. And I believe that um, not just women, but women in particular are are utterly poised for that um, <clears throat> for that piece of our the next piece of our evolution as a species. Ooh, I love it. Well, that's quite an answer. I um, I think that launches us really nicely into the work that you do. Where I sort of want to start is just for you to tell us about Voice of Change and what it entails, because I know it's um, it's got a lot of different components to it. All of um, the things that you bring to the table, and then maybe later we'll break it down in terms of women. But just tell us about Voice of Change in general. Voice of Change came out of my own, you know, interesting journey. Um, I've been a longtime performer, but I was raised in environments of um, addiction and abuse. And so I have a wound in my self-expression. And um, what I started realizing in doing, uh, you know, after I was a performer, I started doing much more transformational healing work in yogic spaces, etc., what I started realizing is that I'm not the only one who struggles with that, but that many, many, many people, and I would say, you know, you know, I do, I do a poll everywhere I go. And I always ask how many people in this room were told you could not or should not sing or express mm -hmm. yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's usually 90% of the room. And so I started realizing this is endemic in our culture, in the Western culture. It's not in some of the other places I've been in the world, right. um, but it is here. And, and, and that's a great tragedy because our self-expression is is a part of our health. It's medicinal for us. It's uh, trauma healing. It's it's so it's so hardwired into us that it's actually the lack of spaces for us to be within our self-expression and particularly in our voice is actually part of what's making us sick. Mm. And I realized this, you know, for myself and for others. And, and I also realized that, um, you know, we're living again, as I said before, in, 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 in a culture that has, um, systems put in place to silence us, especially any of us who want to, mm, uh, do something different than the status quo or disrupt those systems where, you know, that are, that are allowing some people to have, um, you know, access to all the resources and most people to have access to none. So, so it, so to me, there's a social impact to the very personal work of identifying our own authentic truth, our own authentic voice and doing the work to heal that and then really stepping out into the world using that voice for change and and you know we as i as i said before also you know women right now are strongly stepping into positions of power that is particularly you know in this election I think it's like, I mean, the, the, the percentage is incredible. There's a, there's an incredibly high percentage of women who are running for office. I know I saw that so rad. <laughs> and you know, if those women have any personal wounds to their voice, if they were told at any point that they should shut up or if they were, you know, a bitch or a control freak or whatever it is, that's going to be living in them on some level. So my work is to help them unpack that and, and, and really step into and feel into their message, their voice, their truth, their self-expression, their joy. Mm. 
And so that's one piece. Um, I, I think that, you know, we, we need skills and tools and training to step into teacherhood, to step into priestesshood, to step into creating new forms of connection and community, to step into political office, to step into socioeconomic work, like all of and, and anti-racism, all that requires that we that we have a voice that is at, at least partially free from the constructs of uh, you know, our own inner critic, our own personal wounds, and also the cultural um, messages that we get that we're not enough or that we should shut up or that we're too much. Um, and, 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 and this also extrapolates out into whole communities whose voices have been silenced. You know, we're watching the communities of, of you know, women rise in terms of sexual assault. We're watching the communities of people of color rising in terms of Black Lives Matter and other um, uprisings in that way. We're watching um, the you know the young kids at Parkland raise their voices. So mm -hmm. it's it's not it's no joke. Like it it actually can be dangerous to put ourselves in those positions. So I wanna I wanna sort of help us understand what it takes, what self care we need to put into place in order to step into those positions. And then finally, just as a long term ritualist, I've been doing public ritual and and teaching ritual for thirty years you know, it's, it's very, very joyful. And, and as I said, medicinal, even for us, when we learn how to, um, literally play together, that is to say, you know, grieve and be sorrowful and find joy and find ecstasy, not just singing in the privacy of our own cars and our own showers, but together in community. And that's, that's part of what's missing in our disconnected world. Yeah, that um, the the part about joy and playfulness you really embody very well, and I think that we're we're missing that. So so many of us, just as a whole society, are missing um, tapping into joy, even through serious things, even when um, you know there's so much work to be done in the world. Yeah, I mean, I there was I was watching Queer Eye, which by the way is amazing. I yeah. haven't watched it yet, but I've heard oh, super okay. good things. Oh my goodness. And they were, and they were talking to this guy and they said, you know, what do you do with your wife? And he said, well, we go out to dinner and then we go, we walk around, um, uh, target or, or whatever the other one is Walmart. That's what they do for a date. Oh. <laughs> like, Oh, Oh, what have we done to ourselves? You know? Right. Yeah. I told the, I, I work in um, individual like psychotherapy and I told a client the other day to, to dance, to put on some music and to, to move their body. And I mean, they sort of looked at me like I was crazy. And then they said, well, I guess I used to do that when I was young. <laughs> yeah, it's so sad to me. And it, and it's, and it, you know, I always say, you know, my work is all about just reminding us that we're hardwired for self-expression in community. That's, though all three of those is important. It's hardwired, yeah. meaning it's in our DNA, yeah. self-expression, whether that's dancing or singing or whatever it is, self-expression and not, we don't stop there. That's not the period at the end of the sentence. The next part is in community. So, mm. so another part of Voice of Change and, and all my work in the world is creating rituals that that really speak to that sense of um you know the vulnerability of connection the 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 skill around building community how deeply healing it is for us how we need it so badly and we just have forgotten how to build it mm -hmm. um and it's, it's it's fairly simple although it does scare people at first so you know a lot of i meet a lot of resistance 
And then I just have to go past it because I know that beyond that wall of resistance is just pure joy and, and, and fun. I mean, you've done some work with me. It's, it's like people are scared to sing. And then when they do it, they're like, Oh my God, why don't I do this every day? Right. Oh yeah, exactly. And I, um, so I lead circles uh, for women and I've been using a lot of your songs from your, your album of the ritual songs. I really like a lot of them. So thank you for making that. Oh, that's my pleasure. I'm so glad you're using those. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things that I experienced, so so when I was working with Suzanne, it was in the Off the Mat Into the World training, which I highly recommend to anybody anywhere. It's Ooh. amazing. Um, and I found, and I think I'm, I'm only now realizing it in this moment as you're sharing the, the community piece, I was moved to tears literally every single time that you did anything. Oh. <laughs> and that's not a super... Um, uncomfortable place for me to be. I mean, sort of in some ways, because it's always hard to express, but I cry easily. And so that didn't really shock me. But I'm, I'm guessing that in this work, emotions come up that that surprise people, whether it's tears or, or something else. Can you talk a little bit about um, that? Yeah, thing that happens. And I'm thinking yeah. it's because of the community piece, because we were all together. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. so there's a lot to that there. Um, you know, I, I've thought a lot about it because, um, you know, when I first started doing this work, I got a lot of resistance, but over the last 10 years, there's much more openness to it. So I'm in with both feet. I do it just all the time. It's what I do. Mm -hmm. And, and, and it, it's rare that people don't cry. So that's not, that, that says less about me personally and more about the work, which is, sure. What we're doing is we are, we're literally like taking out the, the, you know, like the stopper that they have in a bathtub. It's like, we're taking out that, right? Mm -hmm. So there's some emotion when we sing emotion gets stirred up in us and it's, it needs to move through us through the music. So there's that. And oftentimes people tap into grief because they've shut themselves up. They've let the inner critic win. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they've been silenced all their lives and there's like, it's almost like there's a, there's a bit of a emotional and vibrational explosion that happens. Mm -hmm. And second, the other thing that's happening is that when groups of human beings get together and um, resonate together through movement or rhythm or particularly through singing, there is an actual amplification of the resonance. And I don't need to go too far into that, but resonance is just simply vibrational consonance, vibrational um, matching up. So, mm -hmm. so when, when, when those sound vibrations and emotional vibrations match up, there's something larger than the sum of its parts that gets created, and humans feel that. It's part of why it's so important for us to do that work. And then lastly, like you said, you know, we're together and we're, we're kind of letting down, you know, my goal is to have people release the, the, the needing to look good or look in control because that doesn't, that's not conducive to play and it's not right. conducive growth and transformation. And we have so many masks and so many ways, even subtly that we try and prove things to ourselves and each other. So, so I think in some way, singing helps us be vulnerable enough to feel connected to each other. Mm -hmm. And that's what yearn for, my God. Yeah, yeah, it's so powerful. Because we, we're maybe more connected than ever in certain ways via social media, but it's, it's not the same as, as, as this. <laughs> exactly, and that's, that's what's so challenging for me is that, mm. you know, I, I love doing my work. I do do stuff online. I do online classes and one-on-one and -on -one sessions and stuff, but it's um it's really challenging because there's nothing that can replace that visceral connection when you're in the room 
Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's very clear that you've done the work also because you, you show up unabashedly exactly as you want us to express ourselves. And I think that has a huge impact. And I know that's because you've done the work. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely am, um, am, am a living example of someone who has a lot of wounds to my throat and my self-expression and I continually work with it. It's mm-hmm. not, mm-hmm. it's not like I've mastered it by any stretch of the imagination. There's still lots of places where I'm, I really have to dig deep to find my truth. And then I really have to dig deep to speak it. And I really have to do a lot of self-care because there's a, there's a sort of like a, you know, a backlash, an internal backlash. And so it's, it, you know, it's a process. And, and, and somehow that gives me compassion for the process that we're all going through, which is, you know, if we have a lot of internal programming that says it is dangerous for us to be seen and heard, which a lot of us do, mm-hmm. then we can't just open that door and just expect that it'll be open forever. It's, it's an, it's, it opens and it closes and it opens and it closes. And we have to be part of the process. We have to be like compassionate for that process. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I'm just a a big fan of sometimes we teach exactly what it is that we're learning in this life and it's ongoing. (laughs) (laughs) No doubt. Yeah. Can you talk about the importance of this work for women specifically since this podcast is, is sort of geared towards the ladies of the world? Oh my God. Yes. Okay. So here's the deal. If I, I don't often say this in mixed company. Um, I, interestingly, I spent a lot of time in women's only company, which is fine with me, but uh, here's what I would say. It's our time. <laughs> and by that, I mean, this is it. We absolutely, uh, you know, it's crisis mode on the planet right now. And we, and women absolutely have to, um, uh, not step in and take control. That's the wrong, that's sort of like the wrong terminology, Mm. but we do have an opportunity to, um, speak a different truth and that will require us to find our voice and that will require us to find our personal voice and our collective voice. The great thing about women is we are hardwired for, um, for the collective, right? They've, they've Mm -hmm. done proven that if you give money, foreign aid money, um, you know, to let's say a particular village somewhere, if you give the money to the women, they're going to spread that money much further than if you give it to the men. Women are just hardwired for what's called tend and befriend Mm -hmm. community building. Um, and so, so hopefully, as I said before, we can, we can be a part of tearing down the structures or releasing the structures, um, that are that are predicated on control and uh, domination, and that we can be the harbingers or the the emissaries of a different way of being. And that different way of being is connective and collective and collaborative. Mm-hmm. There's skills involved in that. There's quite a number of skills involved in that, actually. But it's our time. And, you know, one of the things that I loved is when I read about the Time's Up movement, which was like, you know, a number probably about 10 or 20 Hollywood movie stars came together and producers and writers, they were all female, they came together and they, they were coming together to create a collective to meet the, um, the, the Harvey Weinstein thing, the, the sexual assault, um, explode, the explosion of telling the truth about sexual assault in Hollywood. And came up with this thing called the Time's Up movement. They raised millions of dollars for specifically um, litigation around that, which I love because it's real practical, real world stuff. Yeah, for sure. And they said, we are a leaderless movement. 
Mm. That I'm not sure it's true because I, I actually believe in I believe in hybrid leadership. I believe in collective leadership, but I also think that sometimes you just have to have certain people that are delegated to making certain decisions. That's what, and I have a lot of experience in collaboration. So, you know, off the mat is a collaborative organization, but we also, you know, we give each other sort of, you know, we delegate roles and responsibilities to each other. Um, and that's sort of a hybrid collaborative process. But anyway, so, uh, so I think that um, women finding our personal voice and our collective voice um, is crucial. I think many women carry in our DNA the history of our ancestors who were silenced, who were mm. even perhaps killed or tortured for living their truth or speaking their truth. Mm. I know I certainly carry that in me. I've had a lot of women realize that they carry that in them. Mm. And um, it's, it's, uh, it's really frightening and also liberating time for us. And um, it's, it's a crucial part of our health and well-being to be able to live in consonance with our truth. In other words, when we don't live in and embody our truth to the extent of our, our potential, um, oftentimes we, we, um, we die inside or we, you know, or we get sick. Like that's, yeah. that's actual disease in the body. Correct. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So that's the women like, like it's, it's now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you said, there's all these movements that are coming up now, and many of them are at least spearheaded by women in some way. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Now, it wasn't terribly shocking, but um, would you just talk a little bit about how you still, even now, get silenced when you go around doing this work, even though you said it's um, getting better? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, what I do is loud. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I drum loudly and I get people singing loudly. And, and, I, and I have, over the years, you know, I get hired by various different organizations and studios and conferences and stuff. And, and um, it's, it's really hard to explain to people sometimes how loud it can get. Um, but, they, but they're very aware that they're hiring me to do a voice class or, a, you know, finding your voice class or, or a liberating your voice class. Mm -hmm. But it's just really interesting that, um, you know, I have to do a lot of due diligence. I have to prepare people a lot for what I do because it often is disturbing. And, and it's hap I've been told to shut up in so many instances and in so many situations, even when I've been hired to to be there, not by the people that hire me, but by the people in surrounding circumstances that it's not, I, I'm like, this isn't a coincidence anymore. There's something here. There's something, there's something in the general, um, gestalt that is afraid mm -hmm. <laughs> of, of the power of collective sound. And, and it is revolutionary. I mean, collective sound is, um, it's a liberating force that can't be controlled to a certain extent. And, uh, you know, I think about the movements in South Africa and, it's, and Estonia that were very much about collective singing being part of the liberatory, liberative movement and mm -hmm. liberation movement. And so, um, <clears throat> yeah, it scares people and yet it, they, they desire it at the same time. It's fascinating. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you're unapologetic and that you show up all the places. <laughs> Because you're right, we need it. Yeah, it's not always easy. I mean, I have to. I go through my own like, oh, I'm being a bad person, and I shouldn't have made so much noise. I go through that myself, and then yeah. I'm like, wait a minute, and then I write the letter, or, you know, try and try and try and figure out a way to, you know, keep going with it. Right. Well, that's the forces at play that get us convinced that it's not okay to make noise, and mm -hmm. yeah, I'm wondering if 
someone's listening and they are thinking, yes, I really need to get in touch with my voice and my story and I'm feeling pretty blocked. Are there some things that people can start to do on their own or to create um, a practice in their life? Um, yes, although it's, it's, you know, it can be really challenging to do it on one's own. But one, one thing I would say is if you have a home practice, like Mm -hmm. a home yoga practice or Tai Chi or anything like that, begin to just get into a space where you can be alone and make sounds as you move your body Mm -hmm. on as many exhales as you can. Um, that, that is really helpful to be able to, um, you know, rinse, um, stuck emotions, stuck stories in the body. Um, there's some science behind it, which is very, very simply put that sound moves matter. So we can actually sort of feng shui our body as we're moving, as we're breathing, um, with sound. So that's one thing that people can do. Um, I would say, uh, if you like to sing, there's a, you know, there's a lot of people out there doing kirtan, which is call and response chanting in Sanskrit. And it's Mm -hmm. very, participatory it can be ecstatic and fun but it's not like you're sitting there and listening to a performance it's gauged you know Mm -hmm. then also there's a lot of um at least um, on the west coast i don't know about the midwest um but i imagine even everywhere that there are improvisational singing circles and those are really fun just getting together and and using your voice the next layer i would go to then is um Start journaling with yourself about the places in your life where you are actually in consonance with your truth. That is to say, you're able to live and speak and embody your truth and the places where you're not and just start feeling for um, what it would feel like to, 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 to be grounded and, and centered and speak your truth or embody your truth even just silently in some of the places where you felt like you had to hide or some of the places where you felt like you had to be a good girl and say the thing that other people want to hear. Mm. I'm going to leave it there because that's a lot of inquiry. <laughs> yeah. And then just to kind of explore. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds wonderful. And if you can get to um, Suzanne in person, she's amazing. I'll link her website and how to get in touch with her. She's, um, I know you're going to be in LA a couple different times and then you've got East Coast stuff coming up as well. I'm going to be at Omega Institute doing a weekend of Voice of Change work mm. um, June. Awesome. And then I'm also in September doing a Voice of Change online course, which is about six week course. Awesome. Well, yeah, I highly recommend it. Um, Kirtan's also wonderful. One of the other areas in which I've been moved to tears uh, singing with a group. So that's a a great recommendation. I wanted to give you a chance to talk a little bit about Off the Mat, um, just because this work is is what you're doing and um, you're you're one of your many contributions to to that that body of work. But um, just talk a little bit about how that's launching into the work that you're doing with Off the Mat. Well, Off the Mat was founded by myself and Sean Korn and Hala Corey about 11 years ago. Um, we were all friends and acquaintances, and we um, wanted to begin to aggregate the resources of the yoga community. That is to say, bring it together as a collective to do to do to become a force for change in the world. Um, and we were brought together by a parent organization that really saw that we could do some great progressive work. Um, 
And, and, and it's been an amazing journey. We started by saying, you know, what can yogis do together and how can we vote together and how can we do, um, projects together? You know, I ran the save a challenge, which was a fundraising campaign and we would raise money for particular causes. And then we would take people on a journey to work at the projects that they had raised money for. So we went to India and Cambodia and Haiti and Ecuador and places like that. Uh, Uganda, and we did we did all kinds of work. We did work with sex trafficking victims and the Amazon rainforest, and uh, we did amazing work. And but then we started realizing that the conversation was shifting toward how can we all you know support causes in the world as yogis and do it in a way that's very conscious, not causing harm, but actually being very aware of the root causes of, of the suffering that we're, that we're trying to support, uh, the alleviation of, mm-hmm. um, but also, uh, you know, w- the process of what it, what does it take to become aware of, um, how suffering comes about in the world. And what we started to realize is that the yoga community itself has had some issues. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least, huh? issues of you know of 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 not including all people right mm-hmm. the available to at that point when we started basically fairly upper middle class white women that was the demographic of the yoga community in the US yeah and so the conversation has shifted over the years toward um how can yoga support all beings um all bodies all circumstances particularly those who those those humans who who don't have access to it and look at it and say that's not for me or I can't afford it or 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 you know those humans who are you know are experiencing incredible amounts of trauma and 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 don't have access to the resource of yoga so really now the conversation is okay anyone who has access to yoga we're pretty privileged and how do we use that privilege to create change in the world and how do we allow yogis and people who've stepped into a certain amount of consciousness about our behavior in the world and its impact, then how do we now step out into positions of power again so that we change the structures that are causing the suffering in the first place? Yeah, and that brings us back to the importance of of freeing the voice and being comfortable speaking the truth. Yeah. Especially when the truth is sometimes really hard to hear, these kind of truths. That, that yoga is primarily for white middle-class women. I mean, that can be hard for people to, to say and hear. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, but it needs to happen. I mean, yeah. it's, it's happening across the board in lots of other communities, you know, in, in my ritual community and, and in it, just in a lot of communities, there's just this, this conversation about like, what are the voices that haven't been heard? What are the people that aren't represented here? How do we be really actually radically start listening to the, to the voices that have been silenced? How do we create space for everyone here? What does that mean? What is it, what is, you know, how do we really examine the white supremacy and the colonialism that's embedded in us and, Mm -hmm. and begin to shift those structures. And it's a very uncomfortable conversation, but it's a very worthy conversation. Um, I, I get very excited about it because I think the world is changing and I'm, I'm ready for that change. And I think that, um, the, the, you know, it's time for, it's time for, um, some different structures and, um, communities to, to be given a voice, to be given a place in, in the conversation. Yeah. Wonderful. 
Yeah. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to share about Voice of Change or anything related to what we've chatted about today? Well, I'm, I'm just wanting to speak really personally to any woman who's listening today and just say um, that 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 kernel of desire that you have to express, it's not it's not an it's not an anomaly. It's uh, we are all able to sing. We're all able to express ourselves in some artistic way or other. Um, and, and that, um, we're not given very much encouragement, perhaps even, um, uh, any, any mentoring about how to step into our artistry. But I believe that in order to create the world that we want to live in, we're going to have to really tap into a deep seated creativity and a deep seated sense of, um, of connection. So if there's any part of you that feels ready to do that, um, take a risk, be bold. There's a, there's a, a lot of liberation, um, on the other side of, of, of that trepidation or even abject terror. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and I'm, I'm, I'm committed. Like, please contact me if it's something that interests you. I'm committed to this work. I do it all the time. I do private sessions and group classes and I'm, I'm down for the, I'm down for this time. I, I came here for this. (laughs) Amazing. I love it. Well, I just have a few questions that I end with for fun. What's your favorite yoga pose? Um, no, 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 no. I think it's warrior three. Oh, really? Hmm. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> Going into the future. <laughs> I like it because it's like a superhero pose. Yeah, it totally is. Um, uh, what's one book that changed your life? Uh, one book that changed my life? There's uh, many. Um, one book that I love was a Pulitzer Prize winning book by Annie Dillard called Pilgrim at Tinker Creek, which I love mm-hmm. very much. Um, another one was the mist of Avalon, uh, Marion Zimmer Bradley. And another one was, um, it's it's called how yoga works or why yoga works. I can't, it's one or the other, but I guess, guess Michael Roach. Okay, cool. Those are all new ones for me. So add them to my list. Um, and then if you just had a day to yourself, you could do whatever you wanted. What would be your plan? (laughs) <laughs> wow. Well, I'm I'm here in this gorgeous gorgeous island in Canada. So right now what I would do is go out into the woods and spend 5 or 6 hours just hanging out with the trees and the animals, mm. come home, cook a good meal, sing a little bit and um hang out with friends. That 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 feels good right now. Some days I might say get a lot done and rock out with friends in the city, but right now <laughs> It's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm kind of finding balance between the hermit part of me and the public part of me. So right now it's just long, slow walks in the woods and deep silence. Wonderful. And who inspires you, Suzanne? Gosh, um, who inspires me? You know, um, I love watching young women find their voice. So I'm going to say Yusafsa and Emma Gonzalez and, um, you know, the young girls that are just in their power and they're, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're in that weird transitional time between girlhood and womanhood. And they're just simply 
listening deeply and taking risks. And I just, that inspires me a lot. Wow. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for doing this work in the world. As I mentioned, I'll make sure that people know how to get in touch with you and highly recommend anyone has the opportunity to connect with Suzanne. It's well worth it. Um, I appreciate you and um, hope to see you soon. Okay. Thanks, Jessalyn. Thanks. Bye-bye.